listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Detox. We're starting a, a new series today called Detox. Detox. I'm really excited about this because what our goal is through this is we're trying to help you to live clean in a contaminated and dirty world. How many knows it's a dirty, contaminated world? And we're trying to look. I looked up the definition of detox in the dictionary and it goes like this. A process or period of time in which one abstains from or rids the body of toxic or unhealthy substances. And that's what we want you to do. We want to take you on a soul detox over the rest of this month. Look at how we can rid our lives of so much toxic things, unhealthy behaviors, emotions, and actions of our lives, and to discover that we can have a new life in Christ. I said we can have a new life in Christ. You know, I sometimes wonder if we even realize perhaps how unhealthy and how toxic our lives have really become. Come on, the unhealthy state and the environment that we live in around us every day doesn't help, does it? Because we find more toxic behavior, emotions, thoughts, words, bombardment than perhaps ever before in history that is waiting for. We don't even have to leave the house for it anymore. It's there on our TVs. It's in our phones, on our hands. Come on, as the social media and everything. We're just bombarded on every way. I was going to do an illustration of this today, but I didn't want the animal services or whatever they call them to be after me. But you can take a frog and you can put it in a pot of boiling water. And you can slowly, or let me change that, you can put the frog into a pot of water. You can put it on a fire and you can slowly turn up that water till it's boiling. And you know what will happen to that frog? He'll think, I can handle this, I can handle this. And he will change his body temperature to the point that he will literally boil to death because he will not realize that what he thinks he can control is actually destroying his life. But if you were to take that same frog before he died and drop him into a pot of boiling water, he would immediately jump straight out. The world every day wants to heat up the pot. I said the world every day wants to heat up the pot of our lives that we think I can handle it. I'm better than them. At least I'm going to church. At least I paid my tithes. We can justify and we can make every excuse we can. But we've got to be careful because perhaps we're in hotter water than we think. How about your life? Have you ever looked at your life and and, and said there's got to be more? 
There's got to be more for my life. I was created for more than this. There's got to be more fulfillment. There's got to be more peace. There's got to be no more joy. Knowing there's something of a greater worth for your life. But yet we're blinded by the smoke screens and the poisonous distractions. We in our hearts know that we were made for more, but yet we've settled. And we've found ourselves blinded all around. I was thinking as I was preparing this message, Kelly grew up in a pretty different home environment to me. Kelly had parents that were both smokers. Some of you may know how that was to be brought up in a home where both parents were smokers. In fact, Kelly's mum was a chain smoker. She had literally, if you would go to her house, she had a cigarette lit in every room, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, and on the dining room table where she sat. She just went from one to the other. And it was a tough visit. It was a tough visit for us to go because the smoke was just, it was just thick. You would walk through the door and it would just kind of hit you. And, and then you would kind of get used to it and you wouldn't realize how bad you smelled till you got in your car. And you started to drive home and all you could talk about was, I can't wait to get home to get in a shower. I can't wait to get these clothes off. Well, I remember Kelly's mom was in hospital for a period of time and in a hospital, a different environment, obviously. She wasn't able to smoke. She had a, a, a hospital robe on and she was in their sheets, in their bed, in their environment. And I remember one day the nurse came in and had said to Kelly, you know, if, if your mom wants to change into something more comfortable, if she's got her own pajamas, if she's got something, please, I mean, feel free to make her mom comfortable. And I remember leaving the room and when I came back in after they were ready, Kelly's mom was just disgusted. And I said, well, what's the deal? She couldn't believe how bad her clothes smelt when she took them out of the bag. She was literally embarrassed by the smell. Because what happened? She couldn't smell that when she was in it. But when the environment around her changed, she was introduced to a new environment. All of a sudden, she was like, wow, I mean, really? That's how bad I smell? That's the picture I want you to have for the goal that we're trying to accomplish during this series. We want you to take a deeper look at your life and ask yourself, what are you putting in? We want you to step out of where you're at. Come on, be introduced to a new place that you can realize, hold on a second. My life is not really what I think it is. There's an old computer term that they use for many years, and it goes like this, garbage in garbage out. You can't help that. What you put in is what's going to come out. And just because something maybe doesn't bother me, I I can maybe put things in and they don't bother me or they don't affect me doesn't mean it's not having a negative impact on my life. And so it's time to detox. A lot of people do this at the summer. They want to, they want to fit their swimsuits. They want to look better on the beach. I'm, I'm going to go on a detox. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to change everything. Why? Because I want to be different. I want us to go on a soul detox that will change every aspect of our life. Not make us just look better in a swimsuit. That's nice. But we don't live in a swimsuit. Come on, we live in our homes with our kids at work and we've got to be a different person for every environment that we come into. Come on, I want my life to be purified. I want my thinking to be purified. I want the actions of my life to change the way I live. I want every part of me to be different. What are we allowing though into our lives? 
Look at Hollywood, for example. Hollywood puts out movies. They, they aren't worried about the impact of their movies and what they're going to do to your soul. They're not planning and saying, well, if we put that scene in, that's going to really affect people in a negative. They're not caring the impact they're going to have on your life. They're just producing something that they want to get the most ticket sales for. It's the same with iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, all these people who are putting music out. They're recording music. They're doing all. They're not caring whether the music builds up your faith or draws you closer to God. They just want to sing about something they want to sing about. They just want to project their image and their message to you. And what do we do? We take it all in. You see, they don't care, but you need to care. Because it's your responsibility to discern what your life needs to look like. What do I need to allow into my life? And what do I need to allow to keep out? That word discern means to see clearly. To perceive the difference between two or more things. To distinguish or to recognize. I always think of that word discernment as a spiritual connotation. In the fact is, I need to listen to God. I need to allow His Holy Spirit that wants to lead me into all truth to guide my life. I need to allow God to show me of what's benefit and helpful for my life and what's harmful and what's hurtful. Because I believe as a child of God, as a Christian, there has to be a line of right or wrong drawn somewhere in your life. There has to be a distinguishing factor. And for many of us, we don't have that. We just kind of go where we want. There has to be a line there because I believe that's what distinguishes us as a child of God from the rest of the world. That we stand for something. That we know what's right and we know what is wrong. And and, and the way, and because of that, that's a way now we can discern what pleases God and moves us closer to Him And not further away. In fact, that's a good test. Everything of your life should fall under these two tests. Are you ready? Number one, will this please God? Will this please God? Whatever it may be, will this please God? The second test, I believe, is this. Will this strengthen my relationship with God? And if we can answer those two questions, I believe that we will allow our lives to be subjected less to the harmful things and open more to the good things, closed off to what's harmful and what's hurtful. Oh, it's just a movie. It's just a few bad words. Oh, that song's not really bad. Is this thing pleasing God? Is this something that will strengthen my relationship? Is this something I would watch with my pastor? Come on, I have pastors and people I'm under. I ask the same question for me. Is that something I would watch with people that I've given right over my life to talk into my life? Because what you've got to realize is, we'll we'll use this thought many times, well, it's just harmless. It's just neutral. It doesn't really take us anywhere. One thing I've discovered about neutral is this. It definitely will take you somewhere, but neutral will take you to the wrong way. What do you mean by that? Put a car in neutral. You'll never go uphill. Car will always what? Roll back downhill. It will always find its lowest place. So if you want to cruise in neutral, you're going to go downwards. You're not going to go upwards. And God wants every day of our lives to be a climb. God wants his growth and development and strength to be built in our lives. But yet how desensitized perhaps we have come through living in the world 
that we see around us. Here's something else I believe that's very important as being a Christian. Not only do we need to draw a line of what's right and wrong, but I believe from God's Word we also see this, that everything we do, no matter where we go, should reflect our love and our commitment to Christ. That everything, we're an ambassador, the Bible calls us. We represent Christ. We represent Him to our neighbors, to our workmates, at college, at school. We represent Him at the mall, wherever we may be, at the ball field, at the gym. We are representing God in everything we do. We're the same person everywhere. We shouldn't be a different person on Sunday to what we are on Friday. Come on, we shouldn't be a different person at the church to what we are at the Alex Box Stadium on Saturday night. Come on, we shouldn't be a different person because this is who we are. And why is that important? Because God is just as much in a dark movie theater. He's there with you just as much in a dark movie theater as what He is singing in the choir at church. God is everywhere. And here's what you've got to understand. If you're taking notes today, you ready? Everything counts. Everything counts. Everything counts. Everything we allow into our minds, our hearts and our lives, what we spend our money and our time on, all has an impact on how we will either grow or don't grow spiritually. I've had some conversations recently, and this is an ongoing conversation I have with people. People say, you know, Pastor, I'm just really struggling right now. I'm just really struggling with things in my life. And if we sit down and talk, we realize why the struggle is because their relationship with God is almost a second to everything else. They've pushed it aside. They're allowing things to come in their life. They say words like this, I used to feel so much closer to God than I used to. Who moved? I said, who moved? God never changes. He's the same. He doesn't move. We're the ones that draw away. And I've realized this as I talk to people and even in my own life when I don't feel as close as I did. I've got to start looking and considering there are maybe barriers that I have put up, that I have allowed into my life, that have, what, distant my life, blocked my life from God. There's a separating factor. Do you know separating factor is one of the definitions of sin? That sin is a separating factor between man and God. It may just be small things, but it can become a barrier. It can be something that's between me and God. And if we're not prepared to monitor and adjust our diet accordingly, our soul is in danger of absorbing more and more Lethal poison. As a man, we're a triune being. We are constructed of three parts. We are body, soul, and spirit. Our body is the shell. It's that which houses. Our spirit is that which God breathed into us. It's really the life that we have inside of us. But then there's the the soul. The, The soul of man is our spiritual part. It's that which will be immortal. Our soul will go on to live forever, whether in heaven or hell. Come on, it's our thoughts. It's our feelings. Our soul is our actions or our appetites and our desires. And we've got to guard that and watch that. That's our responsibility to take care of our soul. And that's why we want to go on a detox to look and say, hold on a second. Perhaps there's some things that need to change. First Peter 2.11 from the New Living Translation says these words, Dear friends, 
I warn you as temporary residents and as foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Look at that verse. They're not playing games. They're playing for keeps. Come on, those things are waging war. Oh, it's just a song. It's just a movie. It's just a friend. It's just, oh, I I enjoy doing that. It's just something I can control. What is it? The Bible says that eternity is where our destiny is. Come on, we're just temporary residents. We're we're just passing through. This ain't our stopping point. But guess what? In the process of where we need to be, the enemy wants to take us out. And he wants those worldly desires and those lusts and those things that we can label any which way we want. But if they're not from God, they're waging war against your very soul, against your eternity, where you will spend eternity to destroy your life. Proverbs 25, 26, New Living Translation. If the godly give in to the wicked, it's like polluting a fountain Or muddying a spring. The Message Bible says a muddied spring and it's now a polluted well. What do we know about a spring? What do we know about a well? A spring and a well are a water source. There's something we go to for fresh water. The bottles that you drink come from a spring that comes naturally most out of the ground. And it's the purest and the best tasting water that you could ever have. A well is where you go to because you can draw life from that. You don't go to get something murky and dirty. You go because you know something pure and clean is going to be there. But God says so often we allow our lives to become a polluted well. Come on, a muddied well, a muddied spring. I thought about that in our lives. You know, our lives can be pure and our lives can be wonderful and they can be nice. And man, we can drink that. It looks good. But it doesn't take a lot, does it? To all of a sudden, to taint, to change, to transform our lives, to be something completely different. You want to drink that? What are you? Because we are called to be the hope of the world. We're called to bring life to those around. We're called to bring drink to those who are thirsty, but yet our lives are more polluted than perhaps we realize and we wonder why people don't want to come to church. Come on, what's happening in our thoughts? What's happening in our words? What about the friendships, the relationships, our actions? Come on, is our water becoming muddy? And polluted. And you know what happens after a while? It begins to settle to the bottom. And we can look at it again and we can say, well, hey, I'm maybe not as bad. But then life begins to happen again. And guess what? Everything that is settled comes back up to the top. Oh, but pastor, that's not who I am. That's not the way I am. A lot of people say that. Did you realize that? A lot of people say, well, that's who I am. I can't change that. You need to realize that's not who you are. That's not what God made you to be. The devil loves you to think that you can never change. The devil loves you to think, well, you're just doing that so you can win people to Christ. The devil wants you to be convinced that you are better off than you really are. John 10.10, we read this earlier. Jesus said, the reason I have come is to give you life. 
He said, the enemy has come to kill, steal and destroy. I've come to give you life. The reason I've came is to give you life. There's no small print there. There's no blackout dates. There's nothing that says excludes Jim, John or Leslie. I can't help them. God says, I've come that all may have life and life more abundantly. And really today, this is just an introduction to this series. We're just setting it up because I want to push you a little bit today. I want to challenge you a little bit. Maybe make some of you mad today. I'm willing to do that for this reason. Because when you're aware of the truth, you should be upset because you've been allowing the wrong things to pollute your life and take a toll on your relationship with God. There's a better way to live. There's a better you inside of you. There's a better you beneath the junk that we have invited and welcomed into our lives. You see, Satan never makes you do anything. Well, Satan made me do that. If it wasn't for the devil, he, he was the one. Satan cannot make you do anything. All Satan can do is suggest and present. Satan sets up the opportunity. He is the inviter. He invites you to the party, but you're the one that goes. He invites you to the joint. Just try it. Everyone else is, but you're the one that smokes it. He invites you to that step of adultery and and all of a sudden your emotions go out. But you're the one that commits that sin. You see, you're the one that engages and takes the bait and accepts the invitation. Then what? What happens to our life in the natural? Then we go through condemnation. Have you ever been there? You just feel so beat up and you feel so dirty and you feel so guilty. And you're like, wow, now there's no hope for my life. Because by the word of definition, condemnation Or something that's condemned is something that is good for nothing and will be destroyed and tore down. And we've all stumbled and fallen. Maybe you're there right now and you're in that condemnation. I want you to hear something today. God is not in condemnation. Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but they walk according to the Spirit, come on, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But we can be condemned. Christ said there is no condemnation, but we can be in condemnation. Why? By following the wrong pathway. He said there's no condemnation to those who follow after the Spirit. But those who go after the lust of the flesh and keep living those lives, we're going to pile on the condemnation of our lives. But you see, God's got a more powerful tool that He wants to use than condemnation. And that tool is conviction. And here's what I love so much about conviction. So different from condemnation. Condemnation writes us off. Conviction says, I want to write you in. Why? Because what does conviction do? Conviction pinpoints the wrong in our life. God wants to highlight those areas of our life. Why? Giving us an opportunity to make it right through Him. So when I feel bad, it's not that I now don't have a hope. It's now God has shown me areas and things in my life that I have the power over. And I can now begin to change. And don't beat yourself up today. Just change. Let God change you. God's showing you those things for what reason? To show you your life is better than that. You're better than that. Look to me. Have the best for your life. David is one of my favorite characters in the Bible, I have to admit. And David is actually described in one of the scriptures as a man after God's own heart. But you know why I love David so much too? 
He was far from perfect. It shows to me I can be a man or a woman, in your case, after the heart of God, but it doesn't make me perfect. God still loves me even though He knows. You see, God called David and anointed him king over his people when? When he knew he wasn't perfect. Because God doesn't see who you are right now. God sees what you can be. Come on. God doesn't see what you have believed yourself into being. God sees you who you are and who you can be through His eyes. We see the mistakes and the failures. We feel condemned by that. But God says, I can take those mistakes and failures and I can use them as a testimony. And I can take your life and I can help your life and I can change your life. If you're just willing to detox, if you're just willing to allow me to purify your soul. Look at David's prayer that he goes on to pray in Psalms 51 verses 1 and 2. He says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. The transgressions David is talking about is adultery and assassination. He's killed Bathsheba's husband, had him assassinated, had him killed. For what reason? Because he slept with his wife Bathsheba and he found out she was pregnant. So he goes on the big cover up. But what he thought he could cover, God exposed. And now he is dealing with that. And what is his answer? What is he doing? He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, God. Cleanse me from my sin. Jump to verse three. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Verse 10 and 11. Create in me, God, a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. What do we see? What did David do? What must we do? We've got to respond the right way to the wrong actions. We've got to ask God, I acknowledge my transgressions. God, I've sinned and I've messed up. My sin is always before me. But God, would you today create a clean heart in me? Would you purify me? Would you not cast me away? But may I feel that closeness again that we used to have. Oh, God wants that closeness. It's sin in our lives that separated and caused a division from what God wants. David realizes I can't go back and change the past. I can't change it. I wished I could, God. But I can decide today to have a fresh start. What have I told you today? You could come clean. What have I told you today? You could feel God's love just wash over you. What have I told you today that you could be free and a new person? Because that's the gospel message. Come on, that's the message of the gospel. You can have all of that. You can be made clean, whole and forgiven right now. But what needs to happen? You've got to get over yourself. What do I mean by that? You've got to come clean with yourself. You've got to come clean with yourself. That's the title of our message today. You've got to come clean with yourself. You've got to look at your life and realize and allow God to put the spotlight on those things. And pinpoint those things of your life. Why? Because we've got to come clean with ourselves. Because we see our lives through the deception that we have allowed all around us. Can we just talk about deception for a few moments today? James 1 verse 22 says these words, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, 
because there's only one person you're going to deceive. You're not deceiving God and you're probably not deceiving people around you. You may do that for a period of time, but they're going to wise up to you. The real deception of your life is when you're not being clean and being honest with yourself. When you're lying to yourself. I know it's reality TV, but it's a big thing today. Any of you have ever watched those music shows like American Idol or maybe The Voice or America's Got Talent? Anyone ever watched those kind of shows? Come on, someone lied to them, didn't they? Some of those people on there? Someone lied. Wow. And here they are singing their hearts out and they are convinced that they are the next star that is going to sell platinum albums because they're going to they're going to go all over the world. Come on, remember that guy, pants on the ground, pants on the ground, look at whatever. Remember him? Just thought he was man, they they he did make a lot of money out of that. But he was convinced that he was like the greatest thing since sliced bread. And thank God for a Simon. That's the Holy Spirit for every one of our lives. <laughs> Holy Spirit is English, by the way. But it isn't amazing that they have a warped perspective of their talent, life, what they have to give, like many of us. Why is that? Why is it in reality we all look and go, oh, they can't, but yet they are obviously convinced they can. Here's why. You ready? Because we see ourselves through the lenses of our own experiences our own belief and our own perspective. And what many times that does is leave us with blind spots. Have you ever driven and haven't seen someone and you go to turn lanes and all of a sudden there's a honk or there's a scream from someone in the car. Oh, there's someone beside and you swerve or you've maybe gone into that person just because you don't see them. (laughs) They're still there. But yet we have those blind spots because we have nothing to check our lives with except our own experiences and our own lens and our own beliefs and our own perspective. The Bible confirms that. I love the Word of God because it confirms so much. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 confirms that and says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? The answer is in the next verse. God does. God knows the heart. God knows the wickedness of our lives. I, the Lord, do. I search the heart, he says. I test the mind. In other words, I look to the secret parts, even to give every man according to his way and according to the fruits of his doing. God says, I search the heart of man. And according to what I see, is according to what they get. Wickedness, deceitfulness. You see, the longer we begin to lie and tell a lie to ourselves, the more deceived that we're going to be. Because the less of an accurate picture we see of ourselves. We see this again in the Scripture. Psalms 36, 2 and 3 says these words, For he flatters himself in his own eyes when he finds out his iniquity and when he hates. He doesn't want to see the truth. He flatters himself to blind himself from the reality. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit and he has ceased to be wise and to do good. The problem is that's a description of the person that they're not seeing in themselves. God's saying that's what I see. That's perhaps what everyone else sees. But in themselves they don't see it because they're flattering themselves. 
convincing themselves that everything's okay where it really isn't. Excusing their behavior, justifying their actions. Hey, let me ask you all a question. You ready? Can we be honest? We're in church today. How many people battle with self-deception? Come on, put your hand up. You battle with self-deception. It's about five hands going up. Okay, put your hand down. How many people know someone who battles with self-deception? Come on, put your hand up. Amazing, nearly everyone can put their hand up for that one. I prove my points. We, we, we can put our hand up saying, hey, I, I know what them. But to admit it for ourselves is kind of like, mm, I don't want to do it. And I wonder today if someone put their hand up thinking about you. I wonder if you're that someone. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. They're in church sitting right beside me right now. Yeah. Can see them right now. But isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? But why is that? Because we have an unlimited capacity to deceive ourselves. As we can lie to ourselves. Then we believe the lies and the more we tell them, the more we believe they are the truth. When we take communion the first Sunday of every month, we often read this scripture from Corinthians. And Corinthians 1, Corinthians eleven twenty eight says these words, but let a man examine himself. For some of us, we're like, that's cool, because now I don't need to tell anyone what's going on. But the truth of that scripture is this, we've got to examine our lives and compare our lives according to his word, according to his standard of what he requires. And that's why that's put in there. It's not, well, I can examine myself towards them because at least I'm better than them. Or I can examine myself because I can excuse that because, oh man, that's not really... No, I'm examining myself towards God. It's like someone who's got a headache looking at someone who has cancer and says, at least I'm not as sick as them. But you're still suffering with a sickness. may not be life-threatening, but you're still sick. And that's where we find our lives, comparing to someone worse to make ourselves look better, where instead of comparing down, we need to compare up. And we need to say, God... How does my life look according to your word? How does my life look according to you? You see, God has given every one of us the chance today to detox. But we've just got to allow him. We've got to see past our blind spots, our disordered lenses. We've got to smell ourselves today and realize, man, I maybe really do stink. Because we've got to begin to realize my life is perhaps exposed to the wrong things that I need to draw the line. I need to separate and I need to change the course of action for my life. Come on, be real today. What is really crippling your spiritual effectiveness? What is it that you're doing that you enjoy, but you perhaps know it's wrong? That it's not pleasing to God. It's not bringing you closer to God. The first step is always to recognize your opponent. The Bible tells us this in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be sober and be vigilant. In other words, I think that means come clean with yourself. Wake up and realize. Don't allow anything else to inebriate or distort or taint your true image of really who you are. Be sober and vigilant and realize the enemy, your adversary, the devil, he's, roaring a lot, he's roaming around, he's walking around, he's looking for who he can devour. He wants to destroy your life. He ain't your friend. The world's not your friend. It just wants to destroy your life. And though many times our enemy is invisible, we've got to ask God, open my eyes to see. Come on, expose the lies of my life. 
God, kill the denial inside of me. Because how many times have we said this? Well, I don't really have a problem with this. Maybe you've said, well, this is not really a big deal. It just helps me to cope. Oh, well, at least I've not got it as bad as most people. Oh, I can quit anytime I want to if I want to. Oh, this is just the way I am. You see, just before Jesus was crucified, he talked to his disciples about the specific details that were going to take place. And he said to his disciples, you know what's going to happen? You're all going to leave me. When I need you the most, you're going to run away. You're going to fail me. You're going to be scattered. Look what it says in Matthew 26, 33. Peter answered and said to him, even if all of these are made to stumble before you, I will never be made to stumble. Peter is convinced it wouldn't be him. Me? Never. I'll stand for you no matter what. Verse 34 kind of changes the whole thought. Because Jesus now says to him, he's talking about Peter. He said, assuredly, I say unto you. Come on, what was a we thing, what was a they thing is now a you thing. Come on, Jesus was saying, hey, all of you are going to be, now he is specifically pointing at every one of us. Come on, this isn't a they and we thing. This is an us thing. This is a me thing between me and God. And Jesus says to Peter, assuredly, I say unto you, this night, not a week, a month from now, tonight, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Verse 35, and Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you before the day ended. Not once, not twice, but three times. He denies even knowing Christ. But that's not the end of the story. He's so defeated. He's let Jesus down. He's failed him. So what does he do? He says to others around him in John 21, verse 3, he says, I'm going back fishing. He goes back fishing. Peter was a fisherman. God called him from the fish and says, no longer will you fish for fish, but now you'll fish for men. You're now going to be a fisherman of men. I'm now going to use you. But now he's failed God. He's let God down. So he's now thinking there's no future. I've got to go back to my past. I've got to go back to what I know, what came easy. I can provide for myself again. He said, I'm going fishing. Please, if you read the story, he's not saying I want to just relax and clear my head and I'm just going to go fishing just to chill. He is really saying, I've messed up. I've failed God. He would never have me again. So I'm going back to my old way of living. How easy is that to allow the condemnation and the guilt to think that's the only direction we can go? But I'm glad Jesus appeared to them. They didn't know it was Jesus, but Jesus appeared on the shore and he shouted out to him and says, Hey guys, got any food? Huh. They screamed back, Nope. Well, how long have you been out there fishing? All night. All night and you haven't caught anything? No. I'll tell you right now, you're never going to find life in where you were. You're going to only find life in Jesus. Oh, it's so easy to go back because I failed God and I've let him down. But God has something more for your life. Because you won't find productivity in that life. You'll not find what you need. And Jesus shouts out from the shore. The problem is you're fishing on the wrong side of the boat. 
Throw your net on the other side. The Bible says they had so much fish. In fact, the Bible numbers them. They had 153 big fish. Not like big fish. Big fish. 153 of them. Then all of a sudden, it doesn't tell us how, but the Bible says Peter's eyes are opened and he realizes it's Jesus. He doesn't wait for the boat to get ashore. He jumps in and he swims to the shore and Jesus is on the beach and he's right there. Jesus got food on a fire and they sit down and eat. But here's the part of the story I want you to see today because this is important for every one of our lives. John 21 and verse 15 says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Verse 16, and then Jesus said to him again the second time, Simon, do you love me? And he said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, tend to my sheep. Verse 17, Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, do you love me? By this time, the Bible says Peter was grieved because why are you asking me again? Why again are you asking me, do you love me? But Jesus said, well, do you? And Peter answers him again and he says, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Three questions. Do you love, love, love me? Do you love, love, love me? It wasn't just because Jesus really wanted him to say, I love you, Jesus. In fact, there's different types of love there that you can look at, agape and philo love. As Jesus was taking him deeper, Jesus is saying, do you have an affection for me? Are we friends? I mean, are we cool? Is everything okay? But really, more than that, what Jesus was giving Peter the opportunity of is this. You denied me three times. Now you can say you love me three times. Now you can see the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy I have poured out. Even though you went back, to do the wrong thing. Even though you failed and messed up, can I tell you something? Jesus said, I still love you. I still love you. And what does Jesus tell him every time? Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. You know why I believe Jesus tells him that? Because Jesus is still showing him what I called you to do is still available. You may be failed and messed up, but I still see something inside of you that I haven't given up on you. And I still have a purpose and I still have a plan for your life. You see, deception is real. This is my message, so I'm going to say it. Deception is real, but Jesus is realer. It's not a word, but it's a good one. He's realer. He's greater. No matter where we've made a mistake and failed God, he asks, do you love me? You see, God speaks to our lives in a number of ways, but the four most powerful ways he speaks to our life is through his word, through circumstances, through people and by his spirit. And God wants to speak into our lives. God wants to identify those areas of struggle in our life. Is there something that perhaps God has been showing me, even through this message that I need to hear? As I close today, 1 John 1.8, if we say that we have no sin, the Bible says we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. My prayer for you today is this. 
that God will move the deception out of your heart and that his truth can come in. We've all failed God. It's not mattering what we've done, but it matters now what we do from here on. James 1.22 again from the NIV says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Would you bow your heads all over this place today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.